Welcome to the Property Management Mastermind Show with your host, Brad Larson. Brad owns one of the fastest growing property management companies in San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is for property managers by property managers. You'll hear from industry leading professionals on best practices, new ideas, success stories, and lessons learned. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest industry buzz surrounding property management, as well as tips and strategies to improve your business. Now here's your host, Brad Larson. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Property Management Mastermind podcast. Be sure to check out our website at propertymanagementmastermind.com, where you will find all of our episodes, products, and services to review to include our newly launched BizDev Mastermind offering, which is consulting services for companies looking to hire and grow using a business development manager. You can visit that site at bizdevmastermind.com. In addition, I wanted to announce the Property Management Mastermind Annual Conference going on in Las Vegas, March 234 at the Mirage Hotel in 2020. Visit the website at pmmcon.com. If you sign up for the conference and both add-on seminars, you'll get a 10% discount. I look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Lastly, be sure to find us on Facebook to join the conversation of over 6,000 members in the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group. Property Meld is made for maintenance work automation. Property Meld will work to schedule, remind, verify completion, and follow up with your residents automatically while providing the best-in-class communication system for your ease of use, your vendors, and your tenants. Begin reducing maintenance coordination time and increasing tenant satisfaction today. Learn more at PropertyMeld.com. Choose Seacoast Commerce Bank as your property management bank of choice. Seacoast Commerce Bank specializes in trust accounts and business banking for property managers. One of their best features is a cash analysis program where they can assist in paying your property management-related invoices. Contact Allison at 619-988-6708 to learn more. And be sure to listen to the Property Management Mastermind Podcast, episode number 26, about Seacoast Commerce Bank. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. In today's episode, I have Scott Brady on the line, and we're going to be talking about the top 10 mistakes that most could have been or may have been made by property managers, the top 10 mistakes. It's a great episode because Scott goes through each one, and he has some, we have some great dialogue between all of those points. And potentially, there's going to be a couple golden nuggets in here that's going to keep you from making those same mistakes. So enjoy the episode. And welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Property Manager Mastermind Show. I'm your host, Brad Larson. And today's guest, I have Mr. Scott Brady on the line with us. And we're going to be talking about the top 10 mistakes made by property managers. Now, Scott's been preparing a presentation he's going to be given uh, at some future point. I've seen some of his slides. They're really, really outstanding slides. I mean, he's got lots of information in them. Uh, but I always said, hey, Scott, let's, let's jump on a podcast and let's talk about the top 10 mistakes made by property managers. So before I give it over to you real quick, I want to give some background of what uh, Scott's going to be doing for us. So he is going to be a facilitator and instructor at the Property Management Mastermind Conference in March. So what I've asked him to do is come in on the very first day and give us a SWOT analysis instruction piece, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And that's going to be basically leading off the conference for the most part. And from there, then we dive right into our mastermind group sessions in the Property Management Mastermind Conference. So it's going to be a really good drill because Scott has taught this at the collegiate level. And so he's going to be able to teach this at the conference level. And so Scott, without further ado, can you give us a quick intro on yourself? How are you doing today? 
I'm doing very well. So um, my name is Scott Brady. I have a property management company in Southern California. Been in the property management business since about 2012. We currently manage, manage a little over 1,200 doors. Um, uh, now 200 of those are association doors, which you're not fond of, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a student of this industry. I'm just fascinated by our industry, uh, both uh, the opportunities and also some of the weaknesses of our, 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 a lot of our brethren. So I sat down when I was thinking about the conference and the SWOT analysis we'll be doing, which I did teach at Azusa Pacific, um, that I think it's an opportunity to go through the 10 mistakes that I've made, not just other companies have made. These are mistakes I have personally made and to share that in a very honest and forthcoming way with uh, your audience. And if it resonates with them, great. Uh, but we'll be talking about this again at the Mastermind Conference, specifically strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats within our industry, within your companies. So that's kind of what we're touching on a little bit here, but in a very cursory and 10-point way, not a deep dive like we'll be doing in Vegas. Yeah, and that's really a neat thing because what we'll be doing on main stage with all the attendees is we're doing the SWOT analysis, coaching, basically what is it and how do you do it and why do you do it, right? The, those mm -hmm. things are coming out of it. And then as we break up into our small groups, we're actually doing another SWOT analysis for that particular small group that every facilitator, including you, you're one of the facilitators, everyone's going to lead in that small group, which is really gonna, I mean, it's gonna bring out some stuff that you just cannot, it's magical. You get into those small groups, the magic is gonna come out of it. And this the SWOT analysis is only just a small portion of what we wanna talk about in the first day. We have two hours, two full hours of mastermind session that first day. And that's gonna be fantastic stuff. That's magical stuff that you would, it's just you're never going to get that stuff out of any other conference. And so that's that's part of why we think the Property Management Mastermind Conference is going to go over very well. So in saying that, let's look at the top 10 mistakes made by property managers. So I got my little scratchy pen, <laughs> and you're going to dive in and go through that. And I want to comment sure. and then add into it. I'm sure I've, I've screwed up you know, way as much as you have, if not more. Uh, it's funny, one of the most fascinating episodes from one of my mentors was um, uh, out of Australia, Bob Walters. And that's one of the things he would actually do on stage is, is go through the, the mistakes that he's made in 35, almost 40 years in the property management industry. And it's a fascinating deal because, you know, if we can teach at least one person to avoid at least one mistake that we've made, I think that's golden. And this is going to be a really cool episode. So please lead it oh. off from there. Yeah. So the first one, there's arguably no particular order. Maybe the last one is in the right order. Um, the first one I talk about is that a lot of companies pick a price and, and not a strategy. What I mean by that is um, when I first got in property management, I kind of looked around. And I said, well, gee, I'll price this. And there was two options uh, in my market. It was either flat fee or percent. Um, I decided to go percent because our, our rent ranges are pretty wide here. It can be as low as 1500 and as much as 5000 uh, We picked up five doors yesterday where the average rent was $6,000 on uh, five doors. Yeah, so that's so that was so I started that. It was great, and I kind of put in a little bit of minimums and maximums. I did a variable pricing, and and I realized that's how a lot of people got in, you know pick their pricing. They look at the competitors, and they just put the finger in the air and say, "Let's go with this." And I think what we need to do as an industry is look at our pricing as a strategy. Uh, the big boys are doing that. If you look at Mind.co, you can see how they price. They price strategically. They're going after a certain target market. And so when I started thinking about this a few months ago, I became really dissatisfied with percentage pricing um, because, once again, if the rent were $1,200, it was not enough. If it was $5,000, it was too much. That was the perception of our clients. So I moved to a hybrid model. Um, so now we charge a flat fee which is arguably 50% lower than the, the lowest flat fee in my marketplace. And then we charge a percent of rent collected, which is again, about 50% or less 
of the typical percent collected. Um, and I did that for a few reasons. One, I think more, I have a business development manager and um, I was finding that our pricing was, you know, 4% to 8%. It was all over the map. It was Ouija board pricing. And we couldn't be transparent with the marketplace and say, this is our pricing. Well, it kind of depended. It depended on what your property was. It depended on the rent, depended on the type of property. And this got very frustrating to me personally and professionally. So by now saying, here's our price, no matter where your property is located, no matter what the monthly rent is, um, that allows us to be complete transparent in our marketing, in our direct mail, and with our BDM conversations. And I just think it's a fair pricing for my marketplace. Um, it's not the only pricing. In your marketplace, fixed might work better because your rent ranges are tighter. And, and I think fixed pricing works in a, one way better because the client knows exactly what they're paying. It's 165 bucks, whatever it might be. Um, and a percent pricing also has an appeal because then if rents go up, we're on the same page. I make more money by getting a higher rent and there's sort of that visceral appeal to an owner. So I try to have the best of both worlds, have the fixed pricing with the percent pricing to differentiate myself, to be fair to all of our clients and to make our marketing easier to do um, externally. So I want to say that last bit again so everybody understands it so the thing that you have to hone in on the pricing model in my firm belief is creating a point of difference creating a different model than your competitors that people look at it and at least one they need to understand it right off the bat they look at it and they understand that figure which i don't really like a percentage model there's no wrong model but a percentage model is tough for the general public to understand what's x percent of something well i don't know exactly. is that x percent yeah. of the total revenue like in commercial, they charge X percent of the annual revenue based on the lease agreement, not the mm -hmm. money's collected. So it every, everything has a twist to it versus a flat fee. Like we do a, a flat fee, three-tiered pricing model, which is another interesting spin because we could talk tiered pricing, right? Mm -hmm. You have a flat system with a hybrid, which I really like. You and I help, you know, kind of bounce that off of each other. And I love how you implemented it very quickly. I think that's got a lot of merit to it. I really, really do. And so I think you're going to see that a bit more come out. But there's also, there's a couple different ways of pricing it. So the top 10 mistakes to, to hone in on back that is, uh, to go back to that, is, you know, first thing is just kind of maybe what, pricing it like everybody else, giving you no point Correct. of difference? Yeah. So other industries, they work backward to a profit margin. They say, gee, we want to have a 20% profit margin. So this needs to be, if I'm making a widget, I sell the widget for 10 bucks because it costs me five bucks to make plus my costs. And there we go. I get a $2 profit. We can't do that in our industry, particularly if you're trying to grow your business. If you're at 100 doors, what's, how do you know what your cost is, particularly if you're growing? And so because we can't really do what other industries do and work backwards, the tendency is just to look around us. Say, well, I'll be the same as a guy down the street. Well, there's two issues that. One is you don't know who the guy down the street is trying to appeal to. Investors, realtors, by owners, um, and then you haven't differentiated yourself. So I think if you think strategically about your pricing, well, one way to do that is by bundling, saying, well, gee, here's this rate, but here's a higher rate, and he's a, we're going to talk about later about programs. This includes these programs that heal these pain points. That's a point of differentiation, too, is the bundling side of it. Um, I just encourage everybody in your audience to think about their pricing. Why are they pricing that way? Can they do it better? Is there a better pricing? Can you do hybrid? Uh, should you do fixed pricing, maybe test them, A-B it um, with direct mail or with Google ads. But sometimes we get so used to, well, this is the way we've always done it. 
that can be a mistake. Uh, I was talking to our, our friends in Oklahoma yesterday who do the master insurance. He goes, what worked five years ago might not work in five more days. You've got to be constantly innovating now because there are a lot of people coming in our industry thinking differently about how to do things. And so it may have worked 10 years ago, but maybe charging X percent is not going to work a year and a half from now. And there's some big players coming in who their value in pricing is they're lower than us, right? There's nothing we can do about that. Somebody comes in and is charging 4%. You, you can't match that. They've got $40 million of VC money. But what can you do to compete with them is, oh, that's a crazy price compared to what I have with my hybrid. So I, I just think encouraging your audience, and we'll talk about the mastermind you know, we break down, is to think strategically about their price, just not that's our price to take it or leave it. Very good. Great stuff. All right, let's move on to point number two. What do you got? My other pet peeve is, and we hear about this a lot in our industry, is that people just take any client that walks through the door. So their marketing is such that, hey, if you're willing to pay me my, my, my management fee, I'm good with that. And I think you got to step back and say, who is my perfect customer? So rather than just targeting any door, target your perfect customer. Because once you target your perfect customer, that drives your pricing, your program, your positioning, your marketing, it drives everything. Because one door can be much more valuable to you and we're spending more marketing dollars than another door that's less valuable to you. Um, so when I think of myself, um, I, I'm in Southern California. We have about 700,000 properties being managed by owner. So I look at my perfect customer as being the person who has bought a home in Southern California between five years and 20 years ago. They're converting it to a rental because they think that's a good financial decision. They're going to go buy another house or move out of state. And they want to hire somebody to be their boots on the ground. And here's the most important thing I've learned in the last nine months, a lot of it talking to you and Todd and other people, is that my clients, they care about cash flow. But here's what they care more about, the asset. You know, this is a $700,000 single family home in Mission Viejo. So look, I don't mind paying your management fee, but what else can you do to protect my asset? Can you give me pet protection, security deposit guarantee? Can you give me a uh, filter easy? Can, and that's the key is my perfect customer wants that stuff. Um, if I'm targeting somebody who has 20 unit buildings and rent control, they don't care about that. They don't care about the asset. They care only about the cash flow. Mm -hmm. So how can I get the plumbing bill down? So I prefer, so by targeting, by determining this is my perfect client, that then drives my pricing, drives my marketing, drives my, in my company, my four pillars, um, transparency, value propositions, great customer service, and fair pricing. And once you've targeted, you figure out who your perfect customer is, that really drives your whole company. That drives your culture even. Uh, you, you hate the word culture and so do I, but it certainly decides you know how you want to interact with your customer base um, because you know what they're expecting. So I, I think everybody who owns a property management company needs to sit down and visualize um, BNI. I don't know if you, do you know what BNI is? Course, business Networking yes, right. International. They always say before you, when you, when you give a pitch in front of these other business owners, you're going to say, here's my perfect client. If you run into this person, a little old lady who's, you know, they had to put into an elder care facility and they're turning her property into a rental, that, that's my perfect client, right? And if you do the same thing in our industry, it really makes, I think, decision-making easier for you on everything else you're doing. To go back to your point, the mistake was taking any client, right? That was a mistake. Correct. And I totally agree with that because there's a few things that I want to get out that we end up doing that will also potentially kind of put this in context is one of the things is we, also, we have minimums. We have a minimum amount of charge even in a three-tier pricing, and that is a little bit more than, than what they may want to pay. So you take that $600 or $800 home, and the competition out there is X percent. 
And then we have a minimum to where that doesn't make any sense for them. So mm -hmm. it naturally steers those people away from us because we don't Correct. want the $600 or $800 home. What Perfect. we do end up getting because of the three-tier pricing model and it's flat fee is we get the higher end market. We get those higher end properties. So I run the numbers every six months and we, are, we have been for the last four or five years, typically at least three to $400 higher than all of our competition out there. You name the competitor in my market in San Antonio, the homes that we manage on average is $300 to $400 higher than their homes. So, you know, let's say it's $1,200 is the average for one of those competitors that manage homes. Ours is $1,500 to $1,600. So that's a big deal and a very good positive side effect of the three-tier pricing model. Now, last thing on this is the biz dev walkthrough. And so taking any client can be a mistake because if your business development team is signing them up via phone, signing them up via Zoom call, like what we're doing now, and never walking the property or at least doing a drive-by, that is a mistake because you could end up signing an agreement that says you're going to manage the property and then the portfolio manager or you, the property manager, go out there and say, whoa, this is a dog. you know, And now you got to back out of that somehow. <laughs> so part of our agreement is that we require the business development team to do a drive-by and or walkthrough of every property and they countersign that in that management agreement. So when we hand it to the operational side, it's been walked or at least driven by. I mean, you can't do a walkthrough with a tenant. You know, that's mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult, but at least drive by the home to make sure it's there, make sure it's not on fire. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just, you got to do that before you take on just any particular client. And I can't, can't agree with you more. Since I changed to the hybrid pricing and really you know, determined who our perfect client is, our average rents now are running about $25 to $2,600. And, and that drives, of course, a higher base management fee. But more importantly, these are more expensive properties. You know, in the end, in 20 years, they want that property to be hopefully mortgage-free. So they have to go into elder care facility. This is what's going to pay for it. They, so they'd rather give up $100 a month in rent to have $100 worth of programs to protect their $800,000 house, correct? Yeah. So for me, we've seen our, our management income double in just nine months um, by really just doing just that, um, by really identifying our perfect client, offering the pricing we know appeals to them, and then number three, solving the pain points with programs. Yeah, because not and that's. I mean, yeah. a lot of times, a lot of PM company owners will tell you that they're they're marginally profitable in their management side, but where they win, like you guys do in California, is what happens when that eight hundred thousand dollar home sells. You know, there's a potential there for a huge win. All right, so skipping all this, and let's go to point three. Point three, and so this is a favorite of mine and yours, and we talk about it all the time. And uh, you were part of the inspiration of this for me is uh, solving. You, you, if you don't solve your owner pain points, you don't have value with the with the with the relationship. If you're collecting rents, doing disbursements, enforcing the contract, great, everybody can do that. But if you're actually actively solving the pain points of an owner with programs that generate revenue for you and protect their asset and make the rental experience better for the tenant. As I say all the time, that isn't charging extra, extraneous fees. That's righteous. That's doing the right thing in our industry. And so the, uh, the one I use, and there's a few, uh, I have about 10 programs, but the one that uh, somebody was on Facebook the other day calling uh, the Heimlich maneuver, the Brady, the Brady uh, maneuver is, um, so we, uh, you do oblig Obligo, which I don't know if it's here yet in California. I think they're getting here. But what I do is just a self-insured security deposit guarantee program. We go to, in California, we can charge two months rent as a security deposit. And for some reason, in the last 20 years, everybody's decided that's too much money. Tenant can't afford it. Owner shouldn't require it. So the tenant only has to come up one month, um, which is ridiculous because all, a lot of our tenants will say, you know what, keep the security deposit in lieu of last month's rent. What can we do? 
stamp our feet up and down. We can start the eviction process. It takes six weeks to evict somebody in California. By the time we even got a court date, they're already gone. So I have got, made it clear to my owners that's not that's not tenable. That's not good business practice. You wouldn't sell a house and require the buyer put up a dollar for liquidated, you know, as an escrow deposit, you would require three months, um, I'm sorry, three three percent of the purchase price to protect your client. Why aren't we collecting two months security deposit? So what I said is tell you what, tenant, either you come up with two months, go to Uncle Bob and borrow it for all I care, cash advance or credit card, or I'm going to charge you between one and three percent of the rent, depending on your credit score. And then for that one to three percent, I'll guarantee the second month to the t- to the owner. So they're protected if you do any damages. But here's the best part. Once you move out, if you've had no damages to the property, I'll refund half of that back to you. So you're incentivized to behave. Owner's protected uh, against you doing the wrong thing. And we make some money from it. And what you Um, did is created a win-win for everybody. That's correct. And you solved an owner pain point. So the point of the, the third one is not solving owner pain points, but you had with just a cre- creating a preferred tenant program is what you did. So you essentially lowered the barrier of entry for the tenants to allow Correct. the homes to lease sooner. And then you get them rid, get rid of all the whole security deposit mess because that causes a lot of liability on the owner's half. Uh, if you don't refund that security deposit, perfect, 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 you know, where everything's crossed and teed and all that, and that's mailed out on time. Now you have the owner who is liable for potentially whatever triple damages, you got attorney's fees for most states. If a tenant decides to sue because you forgot to send a security deposit to the right address, they might win, you may lose the the property manager. And of course the owner's gotta be involved in that. So I, I really think solving a pain point, like you said, like a security deposit issue, is a big part of adding value as a property management company. And if we can generate revenue from it, cool. I think that's a big point. Now here's the last point on this. The preferred tenant program is a is a no security deposit option. Now mm-hmm. we've elected to go through MyObligo to kind of reinsure us in the background. It's MyObligo.com. That's a good solution. I also love your solution of self-insuring. And I also recommend both. I mean, that's really the both, both of those two options, but you have to have some fortitude. You have mm-hmm. to have a little jack behind you to do the self-insured. And we have that, but we wanted to also go through MyObligo to kind of see how that program is going to work. And if it doesn't work out, we'll go back to your method and go do the self-insure. But I think both of these, and the bottom line on this, in three years, five years, 10 years, this will be normal. This will be the way of doing business is no security deposits. Yeah, and I believe in uh, having options is a good thing, Obligo or self-insured. For example, we have both Appfolio, tenant liability insurance. I have my own insurance company and now we're going to do a master insurance. So whatever works best, is it a residence benefits package? We'll use master insurance. Is it just billing them through a folio? We'll make our three bucks. Is it using my insurance? Great. So giving the tenant options and not shoving one down their throat is a good thing. Um, just like the security deposit, you know, guarantee like come up with the money. We're happy to have two months security deposit sitting in our trust account because that protects our owner. And in the end, who's the owner going to blame when the tenant doesn't you know pay the last month's rent and there's three thousand dollars of damage you and you deserve it the state of california gives you a very few rights one is they recognize the fact that you should collect two months rent a secure deposit and we are i believe neglectful i would say negligent as an industry in california if we're not collecting those two months or offering a program that protects our owner from the uh the bad deeds of a tenant reason is it takes six weeks to evict correct so, I mean, basically, they're putting you in a bind to where you can only collect one month of protection, and then their systems, their core systems are set up to where it takes 
two months to evict somebody. Correct. So yeah, it's totally exactly. backwards. I, I agree with you on that one. So and, hit- and, and, if, and if you implement these programs, which you've done, and a lot of people are starting to do, it creates revenue and those revenues give you resources and those resources allow you to withstand an audit, a lawsuit, a bad employee, and allows you then to pay your employees better, to do more marketing. Uh, if you don't have the resources, you know, I, I have a slide somewhere, it's on this one, is that you know, cash is king. Moving into a recession, cash is king. And if you're uh, if you're not pricing properly, and you have thin margins, you're not offering programs, you're hanging on by your fi- your fingernails. You're at a competitive disadvantage f- uh, against the companies that are pricing properly to the perfect client with programs. You're losing ground very quickly. Yeah, because we think when the recession hits, everyone's going to have a lot more opportunities to take on homes for management because the sales just will not happen any longer. I agree. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone's moving to Texas, as they say. I think we're adding. A thousand people every day in Texas. Wow. So yeah. you figure that's three hundred sixty-five thousand every year, and maybe that's a low figure, but I've heard that. And so you think of all the people that are moving here; they're going to have to live somewhere. And so mm-hmm. if a recession hits for sales, well, guess who's going to win? It's the property managers and the folks that have good rental properties. Yep. All right, let's move on to point four, if you could. Yeah, point four is it's. I've been really obsessed on this the last the last few months. Is um, I'll use my marketplace. So um. Uh, number four is not taking advantage of the local real estate community. So in Southern California, my marketplace, you probably won't even believe this. We have approximately 50,000 realtors, 50,000 people paying $1,000 a year to be able to sell homes. And of course, half of them don't sell a single home in a year. So of the 50,000, the numbers would say about 5% do property management on their own properties, friends, whatever. So let's say out of 50,000, let's say 2,500 are doing property management. That means 47,500 need somebody to refer to a, a, a client to a property management company. And if you, the, the least expensive thing you can do is go after your brethren and say, I understand your plight. If you refer to a bad company, you're going to look bad. If you refer to a good company and they steal your client, that's money out of your pocket. How about you refer it to me? I will pay you good American money. And then when they want to go to sell, I will give you that client back guaranteed. Matter of fact, it's in the contract. Um, think of how much business you could generate as these people bump into their 300 people in their network and they have now have a property management company. Um, we do two things. So for the 2,500 that do property management, we go to them and I do seminars, how to get off the real estate income roller coaster. And, I, you know, we, and we go to them and say, tell you what, you don't do this well, realtor. You just don't. And your broker probably doesn't, doesn't even know you do it. You're doing it legally probably on top of things. Because uh, in Southern California, a lot of brokerages won't touch property management. So we say, come join us. I'll put you on a split. We had a gal, she's joining us on Friday. She's bringing over 20 doors that she's managing right now. And then we'll help you get to 30 doors or 40 doors. And oh, by the way, you can sell with us as well. Well, you can do both. So I both target agents that do property management, but I suggest everybody in your audience target agents that don't do property management or can't do property management because as this market turns, they're going to need good property management companies refer the clients to. Totally agree with that. No, let's to parlay on that. Not taking advantage of a realtor program is a huge mistake. So basically not having any sort of formalized realtor referral program. And I'm talking good ones. I mean, the, the ones where you say, yeah, I'll give you a hundred bucks. That's BS. And don't mm-hmm. believe the BS either of what came out on a conference or two ago of some guy talking about, you don't need to pay people for referrals. I, I think it, that yeah. is, that's completely hokey. I think that's yeah. wishful thinking. Uh, I, I think if you have any anecdotal evidence on that, it's all just smoke and mirrors. People want to get paid. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's just, why would you not do that? So 
what part to kind of slip in a plug for what we're doing is the Property Manager Mastermind is creating a one-day business development seminar. Our first one's going to be in January in Atlanta, and we're pricing it at $555 per ticket to attend a one-day seminar because that's our realtor referral program referral fee. So a big part of that business development seminar that you're going to be a part of, Scott, you're speaking there, is teaching people what is the right way to do all these different programs to get that realtor referral community coming. It's not a five-minute conversation like you and I can have. It's a program here, a program there, part of a big strategic process to win favor with the realtor community. It's not just one program. I've got five or six that we want to illustrate on why we've become the go-to center for property management here in San Antonio. People want to bring the referrals to us because we have the most options for the tenants, the best programs, we pay the most referral fee, and we have that guarantee to that, bring that client back. That's before we even talk about any of our broker partnership programs, right? That's before we even go there. But I want to at least slip that part in to talk about the Business Development Mastermind Conference that's going to be announced in the next few weeks, Atlanta, January, at the airport, Hilton. So we'll talk more about that as we go. Are you tired of chasing tenants to comply with having renter's insurance? Insurance Management Group can solve this problem with a master tenant's insurance policy. Keep tenants in compliance with your lease agreement and help protect all parties involved. A master tenant's insurance policy can also add an additional revenue stream to your business. Contact Derek Scott at 918-728-8992 or visit imgadvisors.com. To learn more, listen to the Property Management Mastermind Show podcast, episode number 36. I'll give you an anecdotal story. Steve Murray, he's the guru in selling real estate companies. And I, ha- I heard him give a speech once. He said there was a big uh, real estate company that had hundreds of thousands of agents and they started a property management company. It was in the Midwest and they got no traction with the realtors, zero traction with their own realtors. Even though they said, hey, we're going to give the property back to you. It's good for the company. Realtors like, don't care. They said, well, tell you what, here's what we'll do. We'll give you 10% of our management fee in perpetuity if you refer us doors. They went from managing like 20 doors to something like 2,000 doors in less than a year or two years. I'm not saying that's doing that per se, but realtors will, will crawl through cut glass for 555 bucks. They won't give you the time of day because one day, five years down the road, you'll refer back their client. And they, many, they, their thinking's too short term. And how many times do we see the cardinal sin because of it? Because there are other companies out there, big names that offer them just a tidbit. You know, here's a little, mm-hmm. you know, pat on the back. That's their own company. Their own company. Yeah. So the cardinal sin of property management is when you get a referral from a company that has, from a realtor inside of a company that has property management. When you start getting those, you'll start to see, oh, maybe I'm onto something. Maybe charging, maybe giving them nothing is not going to work. So big advantage there. We're going to be teaching on that. The mistake made was not taking advantage of the realtor community referrals. So totally you got to build a campaign for that. So let's hit point five. Point five, and this is one you and I have always talked about and we've embraced and more people in our industry embracing is you cannot be coy in this industry. You've got to be completely transparent. If you're sending out direct mail pieces and you say, well, our pricing, well, we'll it depends. Give us a call. You're, you're already suspicious to them. You're not being upfront. Um, if they go to your website and you don't have your pricing, you don't have your programs, you don't have you know, that, that just sends off red, that's red flags to the community out there. Um, on my website, and I know Steve Welty does, I have a map of all the properties we manage. So you don't have to ask me if we manage properties in Fullerton. Go to the map. You'll see the 30 properties we manage in Fullerton. Uh, my pricing, it's right on the front page. Here it is. You, you saw it in the direct mail piece or you saw it on the, 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 the Google ad. Here it is on our website. 
you've got to be completely consistent. Your contract should be on your website um, and updated with video even. So I think that I, I still hear people saying, well, I don't show my pricing because that would put me at a competitive disadvantage. They're going to find out eventually. <laughs> and I like the fact that now when they call us, I had a call yesterday, a guy with 40 units who got our direct mail piece. He knew my pricing. He knew our programs. He looked at our, our reviews and was concerned. There were a couple of negative reviews from tenants. I go, well, that's our industry. Um, but um, the conversation isn't now trying to convince them that for our price, we're the right fit. You already know our price. Here's what we're also going to do is protect your asset, improve your cash flows, all these other things that are important to people. One of the best things we created years ago, this is about two, two and a half, three years ago, uh, we created a multiple property owner plan. We call it our MPO plan. And mm -hmm. so we have our three-tiered pricing, flat fee pricing, fully all over our website, et cetera, et cetera. It's very transparent, all up front. But then we decided, hey, let's create an MPO plan. So we created an MPO, multiple property owner plan, that basically gives away the farm. It, you know, is very inexpensive. It, it's for folks that have four or more units. And we have 31% of our signups in the last two years have been from MPOs. 31% of our signups have been from MPOs. So if you don't think that program is valuable, or if you think it's, you should discount it and throw it away, look again, because that's almost a third of our signups because the people with three, four, 10 units, they come to us because of that. And sure, you may have to negotiate. You, get my, you might get the whale with 20 units that comes and says, you know, I don't like that price, but would you be willing to do something different? You would have never captured that lead had you not been fully transparent because they don't want to go to 10 different property management companies and get quotes. You know, they got to analyze your rent roll and then see what their tenant base is and look at their rents and then say, tell you what, you know, this management company, we can do it for you for X per month or X per home. After they look at everything, they want to know upfront what you're going to be charging. And we've been very successful at that. And so the MPO plan back to the point of the mistake was not being transparent. And I think transparency is huge. Be transparent in your pricing, be transparent in your methods, be transparent in what you work with on tenants. Uh, that's going to go very well. And I think we, that's a big believer of what we have been trying to do is be fully transparent. Yeah. And, and this goes back to knowing what the value of a door is, right? So if you know that you're you're bringing in, I'll make up numbers, $200 a month, fully loaded for a door, that's that's 10 acquisition, that's your base management fee, it's programs, that's everything. And you, your profit margin is 20%. So you're making 40 bucks a month per door. And you know, your average time in your portfolio is five years. Well, you can decide then what, what you can give away. You can decide how much you can refer to a realtor. It gives you the freedom to, once you know your, your per, per, per door revenue, per door cost, that gives your, your revenue, all that. And then you throw in, of course, you and I both do. We own a real estate company that we, I intend to sell every door I manage. Um, I've got four listings right now. Um, I have somebody in my office. I pay them 20%. They handle all the calls, all the BS. I just deal with the, the listing appointment. Um, then, you know, that's transforming that relationship with the owner because now you've built so much trust with them because you gave them a benefit for multiple doors. Or of course, they're going to sell with you. Why would they sell with somebody else? Um, and we need to start. I know some of us in your audience don't have a real estate company or don't sell and they refer out. I think that's a mistake. It's my personal opinion. Um, you know, we have 40 realtors here and we'll do about 200 sides. And that's, that's, that's revenue. That's income. Um, and as, this, it's, as the real estate industry starts really hitting the rocks in the next 10 years, as these business models come out, uh, of course, you know, the iBuyer programs and Zillow's getting into real estate and Redfin's going to grow. I, I read a stat that they believe traditional real estate, which is currently at about 97% of the market, is going to shrink to 50%. Okay, that's that, that one, one in the next 10 years. Wow. That's, that's significant. Um, and if that's true, um, we're, we're the last tree, we're the last branch on that real estate tree, which we'll talk about later. Is any of your last five points, or does that mention the sales things at all, not having a brokerage? 
Um, uh, you coming up? You mean? Yeah. Yeah, I have one coming up about um, uh, that you should um, become rich in real estate. So that okay. part of that is converting every door to a sale. Yeah. All right, hit me with the next point. Um, so this is I'm I'm a direct mail guy. Uh, that's how I started. I was in direct mail when I was in real estate, and when I got into property management, I continued to direct mail. And I find it fascinating that people expect way too much too quickly with direct mail. Um, I've analyzed these numbers a hundred ways to Sunday, and I do believe there's two important parts. You've got to make sure you're you're mailing to the right audience which for me is out of state, out of area, you're not going to convert somebody to, to you know, manage their property if they live next door. There's, there's just, they, they're, they're their boots on the ground. They can hear what's going on. So we target that, which I'm blessed because I have a huge marketplace where we do have uh, those 700,000, um, roughly 20% are out of area, out of state, at least, or 25%. So I've got a big audience. I've got a, 150 to 200,000 people to pursue. Um, also, you just can't send a direct mail piece out that doesn't show transparency, doesn't show value proposition, doesn't show programs, doesn't show great reviews because you're wasting your time. They're going to go to your website and say, I'm not going to hire this company. They're buffoons. You know, they're, I don't trust them. Um, but if you do incorporate proper pricing with good programs, with, uh, with you know, great value propositions, with super, superior customer service, we find the, the penetration rate is, and this is really sounds terrible, is 0.015%. You're like, wow, that's horrible. And I agree with you. It's horrible. I think my goal is get that to 1%. So if I mail out, so the typical person mails out a thousand direct mail pieces and they expect 20 doors. That's delusional. It's not going to happen. Uh, you would expect one and a half doors out of those thousand pieces. But look at the numbers. That thousand pieces cost you 500 bucks. One and a half doors is worth X. So it's still pencils. Um, but, but more importantly, if you then mail up to 10,000, you expect 15 doors. Um, so direct mail and the other thing about direct mail, people get frustrated. They think they're going to mail it out in September and get the doors in September, October. doesn't work that way. They get your piece in September, but they don't have a pain point until May. So you might get zero doors for six months and 15 doors in April, but you've got to consistently do your mailings. So I think that, um, I think as an industry, if you have powerful direct mail that speaks to the pain points of your owners, um, they're out of state. They're nervous. Um, th that's an opportunity as an industry that we just don't take advantage of. I think there's a small trend of people coming back to direct mail. Okay. I, I, and I don't know where I've heard this before, but maybe it was a post that we saw on Facebook or something where, where uh, people are you know, not spending as much money as they would on Google ads or the SEO or whatever they're going to do. And they've actually made a concerted effort to go back to direct mailing. Yeah. Uh, so I, maybe it's a... You know, maybe it's a trend that's very difficult to quantify, but I, I can see yeah. where you're going with it. And the interesting thing is there was, a, there was a property management company. They just sold out to a big company, and their entire marketing campaign was sending direct mail to realtors when the realtor had a lease listing. That's all they did. They go to the MLS. Okay, they got they, they, these 30 realtors listed these properties and say, we want to be your property management company. We'll pay you a fee, realtor, and we'll take care of your client. That was their entire marketing campaign. They didn't change that letter for 30 years. I mean, it was just like, it was almost handwritten. Um, so I think direct mail, not just to owners of property, but also realtors who are representing owners of property on leasing, for example. Great idea on that one. Perfect. Uh, hit me with point seven. Point seven, and 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 I'm, I'm, I'm probably... <laughs> very aggressive in this one, but um, I think the biggest risk you can take right now in this industry is taking no risks at all. Um, does everything I do work? No. I started a reduced cost real estate company, failed horribly. Um, we've done programs that have not had traction. Um, but I think you need to take the risk because for every two or three risks, you'll get a winner out of it. So I have an example that I've talked to you about. I just started. So 
in my marketplace, when we have a lease listing, we'll get 30 leads, 30 applicants from Zumper, you know, Zillow, Hotpads, of course, MLS, all that stuff, Realtor.com. And we started about a year ago capturing that information. And then we, we use a VA and then we vet them and say, you know what, why do you want to rent? Maybe it's time to buy. And so far, the numbers would say one out of 30, once they get pre-qualified, one out of 100 becomes a buyer for us. When you think we have, you know, 1,000, 1,200 doors, 1,000 residential doors, we probably have, what, um, you know, 300 leases a year. So we're getting almost 10,000 leads a year. That's an amazing number of leads. So think how many buyers that turned into. So that was great. But we said, but wait a minute. What about the other 29? We just treat them like redhead stepchildren. You know, oh, you're a tenant. Well, screw you. Go off. We don't need you. Well, how about we convert? We monetize. We're trying to monetize every tenant we come in contact with now. We say, hey, tenant, you're losing out on properties because you're not prepared. You don't have an adequate application. So let us help you. Let's get it. You give you some tenant help, put your package together, give you a tenant score. And the last piece is, and we'll even guarantee you to any owner out there based on your credit score. So you pay me a hundred bucks. I'll guarantee to the owner up to a thousand dollars that you're going to behave as agreed. And if you don't, I'll write a check to the owner for a thousand bucks. The key part of this is a, we think we'll be a money generator. Nobody's out there doing this. Nobody's doing tenant placement or tenant help. Nobody cares. But more importantly, now my goal is to have a database of 500 tenants. I know where they're renting, how much they're renting for when the lease expires. I can use that as a farm for my own properties. So we have a property coming up in the same city of tenants and say, hey, tenant, wouldn't you like to move up to a nice little three-bedroom, two-bath house in Anaheim? You're renting a townhome in Anaheim. It's only 100 bucks more. Tenant's going to go, sure, let's do that. I like that. So use it as a farm. I like that whole concept. I really think that's really fascinating doing that. But let's break that down a little bit smaller. Taking sure. no risks. Like a mistake is taking no risk. So what if you want to adjust your pricing? A lot of PMs, exactly. A lot of PMs <laughs> would just freak out. You know, yes. they think their staff is going to get the pitchforks and lynch the business yeah. owner for even suggesting to raise the pricing or adjust the pricing or do a new program or you can't do that. Uh, the I, owners will revolt. So I, I shared with you, and this is a true story. Um, you had shared with me your preferred vendor program, and I had to do a change, a modification to my contract per California law, had to send it out to 800 owners saying, oh, by the way, we're going to roll out this preferred vendor program and I'm going to receive a 10% discount on any bill through these vendors. And I thought for sure they were going to come down to the office, strip me naked, put tar on me, put feathers on me and carry me out of the, I was convinced. I was nervous that when I I was frightened. I mean, one owner called and bitched and complained out of eight, one owner. And that program for me could be worth up to a hundred thousand dollars a year. And that was a risk. And yes, there were some angry owners, um, but in the end, it was good for my company and my vendors love it now because we're giving them other business, we're adding, giving them additional business, we're giving them HOA business. Everybody you know, embraced it. So I think that's another example of, yeah, it was at a risk, yes, but did it have a return? It was worth the risk. Another way to say that taking the risks is, let's say you had to spend a dollar to make 10 because that's basically mm-hmm. what you did. In yeah. theory, you might have lost a dollar from that one owner and you might have had a hard conversation that might have caused you a little bit of stress. Okay, big deal. And eventually the owner left two years later for whatever reason. So you lost one dollar, but you made a hundred, you know, yes. in that scenario. And so it was a big win for you. And that's the point of taking some risk. You got to be able to, I mean, Darren Hunter and, and Dennis Youssef, they're big on this whole uh campaign of going to your owners, going to your tenants and, and helping them understand that you have to do this as a business. You have to be profitable. Correct. You know, the whole thing. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing where people sit on the sideline and say, oh, we can't do that. 
Can't do that. You know, another one, big, great example would be the resident benefits package. Everybody talks about it. They're afraid to call a tenant and say, hey, it's going to be 50 bucks. Oh, they're going to revolt. You're like, no, you tell the owner, this is the cost of doing business. This is going to protect your asset with liability insurance, with filter easy, with these other programs, carpet cleaning annually, complete clean, whatever you put in there. And there's zero, I mean, tenants put up a little fight, but if the owner says, I'm requiring that, tenant doesn't have a leg to stand on. Exactly. End of story. Yeah. Yep. Hit me with point eight. Point eight. So this was, a, um, a, I guess, an epiphany, if you want to call it that, I got from the PM Grow Conference um, uh, that Jordan Muela and Alex did. I think it was February. I could be wrong. Um, in Austin. And there was a speaker who said, more or less, that you've got to get out of the business and work on the business. Um, and, I, I, and I was shocked in, in the room. Of, now, these are some big property management companies, like thousands of doors. But the vast majority of the owners in there worked maybe 10 to 20 hours in the business or less. And they spent the rest of the time working on the business. And that encouraged me at the time to say, you know, what about association management? We had gotten a lead that week when I was at PM Grow, and they said, will you manage our 250 uh, owner association in uh, Orange County? And I said, you know what, that, that will force me to work on the business because I'll have to put my teams together and learn how to do it and make sure I have the right, you know, the right people in the right seats in the bus. And we did it. And um, I think I, I, I could be wrong. But I think probably five years from now, I'll, I'll be a bigger association management company than I'm a residential property management company. Um, and it forced me out of my comfort zone. It forced me to work on the business. I had to hire somebody to do my job. Um, but now I can look strategically at my business at all times. We're now rolling out a rental warranty program, getting insurance approval, department insurance for that, working on this, this rental guarantee program. So I can constantly try to look at how can I add more revenue and more value to my owners and my clients rather than being in the weeds. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you, and you see that once you make that shift to work on the business and get out of the business, it allows you to think more holistically about your entire company. And how do you do and that? So, I, so that's, yeah. that's a big challenge. So for example, at the Property Management Mastermind Conference, I've got Jennifer Stoops talking about that exact topic because she's been able to essentially take over that business and let John Bradford, who owns it, go do his political aspirations. And he's got some really good stuff going on with other, other businesses like pet screening. And mm -hmm. so she's been able to take over that business to allow John to do other things. So in theory, that's kind of the concept. You have to be able to, to mm -hmm. find the right people in, that you can put in place to where they can help run the company. They can do the day-to-day -day stuff and then very cliche, but then you can back up and say, all right, I'm looking at the business and I'm working on the business instead of yeah. processing applications in the business, right? And, and, I, and I don't want to be you know, rude or uh, disparaging to people who are managing 100 doors. Like, that's good for you, Scott, but I've got to, I got to take the lead calls and I got to take the angry owner calls and I still got to take some tenant calls. And I get it, it's not, it's, but it should, be, it should be aspirational 100 doors to get there. But right when you feel like it's uncomfortable and you know I'll, I'll take less money by hiring somebody to do what I do, you'll make 10 times more money by looking at the opportunities. And, and you go to the mastermind conference and you implement, you go to a new market somewhere close to where you are now, uh, or you add another business in a business model, maybe that's HOA management or maintenance or whatever, whatever it might be, um, you'll replace yourself very quickly by working on the business. So maybe it's aspirational 100 doors, but definitely at 500 doors or 600 doors, it shouldn't be aspirational. It should be uh, something you absolutely implement immediately. And we bump into people at conferences that they have self-running businesses out of state with three, 400 Correct, yeah. doors. 
You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be 3,000. It can be a couple hundred, 300, 400 doors. And then you hit that sweet spot, right? That we talked about this pulling back the curtain was, you know, where's the sweet spot in owning a company? Well, when you start to replace yourself, basically to yeah. where it allows you to work on bigger ideas that will create more revenue for your company and create more opportunities for your team. That's really what your end goal should be as an entrepreneur, because you started a management company, you are by default an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not, or will admit to it or not. So you have to go out and create other different programs or other different ideas to grow the concepts. So I, I really like that, that not getting out of there. Okay, cool. And, and that really slides into number nine. Um, and number nine is, uh, uh, it, to me, it's the one thing we, it's, it's the biggest fault of our industry is that we help a lot of other people get rich but we neglect to get rich ourselves. So I, I will help a client buy a 20, a 12 unit building in La Habra. And I take it from 1.5 to 2 million. I just made 500,000 bucks for him. God bless him. But I didn't get any piece of that. I mean, I got the management fee income. So once you start working, I get, I think on the business. So, you know, we have investors, I've got 800 owners who own rental properties are comfortable in the rental property world. They know what a return is. They know what they're they're trying to maximize return. So not only do you want to sell every property you manage, should that happen? And that should be the first thing you do to get rich in this industry is to be, you know, I just did a, 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 I just did a piece. I'm sending out to every single owner, up company update, legal update. And oh, by the way, we're doing syndications now. And in my syndication, we're going to own 15%. So uh, my, my general partner is me and I'm Carpe Diem and I'll own 10%, but my management company will own 5% and we'll charge no management fee for that 5%, but that's going to be for my employees. So we're all going to profit share with that 5%. The investors come in with the balance of the money, all the money. And if it's a million dollar property, they each put in a hundred thousand bucks. They own 8.5% more complicated than this, but you get the idea. And then there's very, very, you know, very, tangible triggers, right? We're refinanced within the first year, refinance or sell within five years. But it's a way for us to, you know, walk alongside our investors. And if I put in 10%, plus I already have 15%, I have a 25% control of a million dollar, a million dollar building, right? For $100,000. I think we as an industry, we know where the opportunities are. We know how to bring rents up. We know how to improve a property at a fair cost. Um, Why aren't we getting rich in this industry? I I will say, you and I have met people who have who've done it right. Um, I have somebody here uh, close to me. He doesn't have a, a big property manager, manages 3,000 doors, doesn't have a website, doesn't have a Yelp site, manages 3,000 doors. And what he does is in, in all of his contracts with these syndications he's done, if a partner wants out, he buys them out at a discount. You know, uh, Uncle, De- uh, Uncle Barab dies, guess what? We're not giving you 15 times gross rent multiplier. You're getting 10 times gross rent multiplier. He has first right of refusal on that buyout. He now owns anywhere between 10 to 50% about 30 different buildings. Okay. That's how you get rich. Let's put this in a, in a real tactical level for everybody out there Mm -hmm. that's listening. We challenge you. I challenge you to look at buying at least one property per year. And so you should be able to position yourself to where an owner says they want to sell. You should be pulling out a contract and buying that property directly from that owner. And so I'm, I'm not saying that I'm the perfect guy. I don't buy a thousand properties a year, but dang it, we need to be doing more of it. And that's what we're positioning ourselves to once the market starts to cool down because it's a little bit more challenging in a hot market. You know, a lot of our owners would just say, heck with it, put it on the open market and they end up selling for list price. You know, there's no reason to buy. We can just sit on the sideline and wait for a little bit. Once those prices start to come down, and those owners, hey, I want to sell, I want to sell, great. Well, let's let's talk turkey. Uh, you could do this on the open market, or we can buy it for a little bit less right now, no commissions, sign it over to us, we'll buy it, done. And that's that's where you start to create assets, like quoting Tim Melton. 
Use the business of property management to allow you to create and buy assets. And that's what's going to make us rich. Yeah, the last recession, um, uh, I think you know my history. I was selling 60 to 70 homes a year, average price 700,000. You can do the math. I was making a lot of money. Recession hit, I was not prepared. I survived it, got through it. I had done other, I had built other properties. I'm going to be ready for this recession. And whether you have a million dollars in the bank or no money in the bank, you can still get rich. You can still get rich helping your owners get rich, but also you're going to piggyback on them through syndications. There's different ways to skin the cat, talk to your attorney, but there's no reason why a building that's currently worth a million that goes down to 700,000 because of vacancies, because they don't take care of it, they're a slumlord. You swing in, you buy it with investors, you wait five years and you sell it for 1.2 million. There's no reason why you don't have a 15% piece of that $700,000 gain, $100,000 you put in your pocket, you do five of those. So you put no money in on five of those deals, you just put $500,000 in your pocket five years from now. Exciting. But you've got, to, you've got to start reaching out to your owners and positioning yourself as the expert in investments, as somebody who wants to help them get richer as well. And you can do it through your own money, but you can do it through syndications and your expertise. Great. I'm going to hit with the last point with no drum roll, and these were not in chronological order, so just hit me with the last point, number 10. Yeah, as in, I, my frustration with our industry is um, people won't spend just a little bit of money to imp- improve their business a lot. Um, I seem to see the same smart business owners at the different conferences. I'll be at NARPM next month doing a presentation on programs and pricing, and there'll be some new faces there, but... It, it, it costs $2,000 to go to Mastermind, whatever, ballpark it, 2000 bucks. Um, you implement one program, you'll make more than $2,000. You put together one syndication, you make a lot more than $2,000. Uh, you do one or two th- things that can really totally change your business, right? Um, even buying programs, the biggest dev program, I sell a program that investing $500, dollars $1,000, for a business you want to grow to a million to $2 million a year is such a small investment or time, taking the time to go to a conference. Yes, it's three days. Don't you want to sharpen, you know, sharpen the sword for three days so when you go back to your office, you can implement some stuff? And that's the Mastermind Conference. You and I talked extensively. I not only want to do a SWOT analysis for you to identify your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities and threats, but the end of the conference, what are you going to do? What's, how are you going to utilize those strengths to take, care, uh, to take advantage of an opportunity? How are you going to mitigate a threat how are you going to take care of a weakness? And so we want people to have actionable items. So when they leave there, not only do they figure out, here's my strength, but I can use this strength to take care of this opportunity in my marketplace. Maybe it's HOA management. Maybe it's calling all their tenants, you know, lead tenant calls. Maybe it's really ramping up their biz dev group. Maybe it's going after realtors in a material way for their business, whatever it might be. Um, that's what we want them to do at your conference or your one-day conferences or a, a small snack bite versions of that. Um, and I would encourage people to take risks, to work on the business, to go after the realtor community, to implement programs, to uh, take a risk or two with a new uh, business venture to get rich in this industry. Because if we do that, we're going to push out the bad actors. We're going to push out the companies that aren't doing it well or the agents doing it illegally. And I believe that the best are going to rise to the top in this industry. Agreed. That's part of day three for the Property Manager Mastermind Conference is we have an implementation session back in the small groups. All the facilitators are going to be going through kind of the same thing because we're going to sync up and have a pretty good strong format for this. But that's to coin the phrase implementation day. And that's always what I've wanted to build into these conferences to where you 
you know, you walk out of some of these conferences, you got all kinds of jumbled stuff you want to do. You might mm-hmm. have some notes that you want to do, but then you get it to your office and, and the shit happens. You know, the, the yeah. business happens and then you got to get away from it. Go, we go want back you, in your foxhole. Yeah. yeah. We want you to walk away with an action item list. We're going to do one, two, and three, period. And walk yeah, away and, back in your and, office and, and do it. You've been doing this longer than I have, but in 2012, I wasn't part of NARPM. Nobody was helping me out. Nobody was giving me tools to be a better business owner. Nobody was helping me, you know, to to really understand and improve my business. And the things there was a seismic shift. I think you know three or four years ago with your website, your 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 Facebook group, and a few others that. There are people willing to give you what they've they what they've created. What they're willing to sell you for a low amount of money, in my opinion, um, how to make your business better. And o- otherwise, you can toil in your foxhole for the next ten years and never really figure it out. Um, and I just encourage everybody out there to think differently about their business, think strategically about their pricing, think how can I make my business better every single day in, in one possible way. And and I, hopefully, if they've they've listened. To this that there there's ways to do it differently maybe better um but uh you got to start making changes now to have be, see big results down the road got it doesn't it. happen overnight been a fantastic episode scott thank you so much cool. for coming on look forward to having you at the property manager mastermind conference in march of 2020 as one of the facilitators and a guest speaker so again thank you so much and it's been a great episode take care everybody This show is sponsored by the best home inspection software on the market for property managers. We endorse and use Z-Inspector as our software of choice for our team to document home inspections. We particularly like their 360 degrees camera system that produces amazing views of the interior room. Your clients will love Z-Inspector documented inspections you provide them. Visit www.zinspector.com to learn more. Tenants not changing their air filters? Costly HVAC repairs and unhappy owners got you down? Filter Easy is a subscription air filter delivery service that solves this problem by shipping filters directly to the tenant's front door when it's time to change. Tenants actually change them, which reduces HVAC-related maintenance calls by an average of 30%. Filter Easy's no-cost-use solution functions as a profit center to give you back time and money. Call 1-800-308-1186 today to learn more. This has been a podcast episode by propertymanagementproductions.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave us feedback, and come back for our next episode.